Good afternoon, it's 12 o'clock and welcome to the MoneyWeb at Midday show. The show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. My name is Rijk van Niekerk and it's a pretty choppy day on markets today with the JSC seeing, seeking a bit of direction. Um, although it's virtually all red on the JSC's major indices, uh, the U.S. market actually had a good uh, performance last night in anticipation of a good reporting season, um, which uh, is due to start today. And uh, most other international markets are also trading higher. And I'll speak to Chantal Marks of uh, F&B Wealth and Investments in a minute about this trend, as well as some other stories that are making headlines. But first, let's look at the indicators. The JSE is currently trading down uh, 0.8%. The resources has, uh, have lost 1.1%. Industrials are trading down 09 And financials are down half a percent. The gold index down a significant 2.9%. Let's look at international markets. The uh, NASDAQ closed 1.4% uh, higher with the Dow Jones and S&P 500 indices up around 0.9% last night. And this flowed through to eastern markets. The Nikkei clo uh, closed 1.8% higher. Shanghai 1.9%. Well, the Hang Seng Index uh, up 0.2%. The FTSE 100 currently half a percent higher. The DAX 0.1% uh, um, to the good. The CAC 40 has gained 0.3%. Let's look at a few uh, individual shares that are... Um, Performing well, it'll tile up 3.9%. RCL has gained 28 The JSE itself up 1.3%. Uh, Star Retail or Star 1% uh, higher. AECI has gained 0.9%. Redefine up three quarters of a percent. On the downside, Kumba Iron or down 4.15%. Implats has lost 35 Northern also uh, down 3.4%. Sabanya has lost 33 Anglo Gold 2.9% and Goldfields down 28 An absolute hammering of gold counters uh, probably flowing from the wage negotiations. Barlow World also down 25 and uh, Life Healthcare down 2.3%. Let's look at currencies. Uh, the Rand is trading at 13, uh, the 13 Rand 35 against the dollar, 17 Rand 53 against the pound and 15 uh, Rand 53 against the euro. The uh, dollar is trading at 112 Japanese yen. The euro is trading at $1.16 and the pound at $1.31. Bitcoin is trading at $6,239 or 87,179 rand. Um, on the commodities market, the gold is trading at $1,241. Uh, platinum at $831. Brent crude down. Uh, it's a good performance uh, or a downward performance this week for the, the Brent crude oil price, which of course is a good um, thing for South Africa. Uh, currently trading at $73.57. The RA186 currently at 8.7%. Chantal Marks of uh, FMB Wealth and Investments, welcome to the show. Uh, what do you make of uh, the performance uh, currently of the JC? So, I mean, if we look at the, the, the different constituents and how much they actually account for market movements, I think 
Nasbash is is the obvious culprit today. Um, I think it's down 1.8%. It's the biggest part of the market. And you can see that in the top 40 number as well. And then gold miners are really leading declines in, in resources with the gold price um, coming under a little bit of pressure. And we know this week we had a report out saying that 75% of South African gold miners are, are unprofitable. And you just have to look at all in sustaining costs in, in gold miners to know that they're either marginal or they're, they're just losing money. So any sort of downward pressure on the gold price is is particularly pronounced for South African gold miners or the impact is pronounced for South African gold miners. And that's why you've seen that pressure there. Uh, the rest of the market, not exactly sure why we are under so much pressure, particularly after um, a stronger close in, in Asia. Uh, probably just some risk of sentiment creeping into emerging markets again. Um, Lots of talk around uh, Trump's uh, negative negativity towards Theresa May. Um, a very uh, telling photo being released in in the press this this morning. Um, them not really sitting next to each other, um, arms crossed, uh, gaze averted. So um, it just seems as if if the negotiations there um, are not going according to plan. Yeah, well, he insulted her, uh, you know, insignificantly. And I don't think many people, especially international leaders, would want to sit next to Trump at the moment. He's not very popular and his uh, policies, especially his American uh, protectionist policies, are, you know, is negative for many other countries. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's sitting around the table with with any of of the big um, world leaders at the moment. And and apparently what he said to Theresa May was that um, a soft Brexit, if, if they can conclude this soft Brexit, um, he won't be open to trade negotiations with the UK. Um, I mean, obviously, that puts the, the UK on the back foot. And that's also why you've seen some pronounced weakness in, in the pound. If you look at the uh, white paper Theresa May released yesterday on Brexit, um, you know, that is absolutely clear. She wants to keep a, a very close tie with the European and uh, European Union. Um, and she foresees a close relationship uh, regarding product standards, custom regulations, rules of origin. Um, and uh, I don't think that is going to go down well, even within her own party and the uh, British government. Yeah, I mean, that's why we've seen some of the, the main party leaders actually resigning. Um, but a lot of a lot, there's a lot of cynicism around it as well, because a lot of guys saying that um, someone like Johnson um, deciding to, to leave um, her, her cabinet might just be an in for him to to grasp power um, once her term ends or if there's an early election called. So a, a lot of politics, a lot of egos at play at the moment. I think the reason that they want to remain close to the European Union is it's just a lot cheaper to do so. Um, and it makes things a lot less less complicated. I think lo- global markets will prefer a soft Brexit um, overall because it, will, it, it won't disrupt um, the game too much. But obviously, Donald Trump not really agreeing with global markets, but we're not uh, we're not we shouldn't really be surprised by that. Um, he doesn't really care about global markets and global investors. Well, most uh, investors invested in the U.S. should smile. You know, we're entering reporting season and we're seeing mm. good performances by U.S. markets. Yeah, I mean, reporting season is expected to be a bumper one because we still have some lagging effects from um, some of the, the tax measures that Trump implemented last year. So most of the the big banks are reporting today and on Monday, and we expect bumper earnings numbers. We expect record earnings numbers from from these companies. So in fact, I mean, the market should actually be quite excited um, around 
the equity market performance in the second in, in the third quarter because we expect a very good second quarter out of U.S. equities. But there's just a lot of uncertainty in the system as well, um, coupled with the fact that we've had some some um, Fed governors um, saying that they expect recession to come earlier rather than later due to to pretty tight labor conditions um, in the U.S. So they, they, the worries are starting to creep in despite the actual data on the ground and the earnings numbers in the U.S. Um, not being supportive of that narrative. Well, there are very conflicting views on that potential recession. But what affects the local market more, a strong U.S. economy or strong U.S. stock markets? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, technically speaking, it should be a strong U.S. economy, right? Because the the theory is that um, a strong a strong U.S. economy is supportive of global uh, global growth, which is supportive of emerging market growth, and that economic growth in emerging markets and in South Africa in particular is supposed to be driving earnings in in South Africa. But when we look at the JSE, it does tend to follow the S and P 500 a little bit more closely um, than it would specific economic releases in the U.S., uh, particularly because at the moment we are in a hiking cycle. So any sort of strong U.S. economic data is supportive of tighter um, monetary policy, which in turn will be negative for, for international flows into South Africa. So the U.S. economy kind of being counter, uh, well, being kind of a, a, a counter indicator for uh, the South African stock market in particular. Um, a corporate remuneration survey was released by PwC yesterday and it makes for a very interesting reading. CEOs of listed companies earn 68,000 uh, rand a day um, and the living wage around, you know, which they um, you know, regard as a living wage, these uh, CEOs and corporates, uh, is around 10 to 12,000 rand a month. Um, you know, those numbers are, you know, 68,000 rand a day versus 12,000 rand a month. Is that the norm? Is that sustainable? Is that the reality of the capitalist society we live in? Yeah, see, it's it's certainly not, not normal, but it is a reality in, in, in a capitalist society. I think that there are there is a lot more that can be done in order to, to address this massive disparity. Because what it ends up doing, it, it just it perpetuates inequality, which is actually counter growth. It's not good for an economy when you have um, when you have wage disparities at this at this specific level. And I guess what this speaks to is the skills gap as well. So um, while the C, while CEOs should not be should probably not be earning as much, um, they could probably do quite well with thirty two thousand rand a day, which is kind of half of or thirty four. Uh, I mean, uh, really, um, <laughs> the the issue here is really that the lowest paid workers are are not being paid enough because there are there's massive unemployment, which means that your supply of workers is is quite large. Um, and and you've also got a, a very large unskilled workforce that doesn't that it, that that can't actually get to the level where they, they where they earn more than a sustainable wage or at least get to a level where you earn a sustainable wage. So a lot has to be done in order to address uh, the skills gap in South Africa. And once we once we get to do that, you would probably see naturally the wage gap narrow. But certainly um, 68,000 rand a day, that's what you said. Yes. That is quite hefty. No, that's around 24 million uh, a year, 2 million rand a month. Um, well, hopefully they pay a lot of tax on that. But uh, yeah, my view is if you've 
built a business and you're an entrepreneur, which is the biggest single skill uh, I think is you know needed in South Africa. But if you build a business from scratch and you employ thousands of people, you know, like ShopRite, First Rain, Discovery, and Bitwest, those type of companies, pay the CEO what he wants. You know, that entrepreneur needs needs to be rewarded. But I think the majority of the companies on the JSC only have glorified managers as CEO, and and they just run the company and they focus on efficiencies. And I think that those CEOs should not be, reap the benefits um, as they do, and, and, and that perpetuates, as you've said, the inequality, and, and that is maybe not socially acceptable. Yeah, because are you really adding to society if you are leading something that was already there? I think that's the, the, the point you're trying to, to, mm. to bring across. And um, and and ultimately, I mean, I think the, the only reason why you would get um, quite quite substantial pay um, in the C-suite is because those those individuals should be the ones assuming the most risk. Right. So um, they should be they should be held accountable for everything that happens um, in that company. But we know that things go wrong and they're not necessarily being held accountable. So I think that there's a there's a sense that it's it's a little bit unfair um, and perhaps there should be a better understanding. Perhaps we should all try and understand a little bit better why why these 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 salaries are being paid in the first place. And and well, I mean. They've benchmarked this. It does mm. not seem to be in line with with international best practice. So, yeah. I think I think this is not the last we're going to hear about this, um, and it may, might might make some some reactions, uh, some further actions going forward. Yeah, and I think the whole structure is maybe not ideal. You know, if you perform well and the company grows, you get a big bonus, but if you uh, screw up. You don't get punished um, in your pocket. So, but that debate will always rage. Just lastly, um, Steinoff, uh, you know, uh, are you, uh, did you buy Steinoff on Monday? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> we believe Steinoff is completely uninvestable at the moment. Um, it's, it's tangible net asset value is actually negative, uh, which means that the company is, is basically worthless if you um, if you write down a goodwill and brand names. So um, ultimately, what a lot of this this uh, kind of the, the drive in the share price this week, I think there were there were probably two main events. Uh, the first one is that Steinoff presented a lockup agreement to creditors. They haven't even accepted it yet, but the share price jumped 20% as a result of it. Um, and then the other thing is there might just be a short squeeze. Um, Steinoff's the third most shorted stock on, on the JSE. And at some point, um, the guys need to uh, start buying back those shares. And that might artificially result in in um, an increase in share price. Yes, uh, for the week, it has gained uh, a pedestrian 64% and over the last 30 days, 150%. Um, and it just shows you maybe this has just been reduced to a, a derivative gambling stock. Yeah, well, that's what it seems like. Um, I'm sure the one Rand 20 guys are really happy, but um, but obviously um, from a fundamental long-term mm. perspective, it really just isn't something that I would want to want to touch. Yeah, I think the traders are smiling more than the long-term investors on this one. Absolutely. But anyway, let's. Uh, we have to see if there is any value in the company. And uh, I think it could be, dare I say it, uh, if you have uh, some uh, gambling blood in you, it could maybe worthwhile to put a few rand in there. Maybe there is some, just something left. I think the upside potential is a lot higher than the downside potential. Yeah, but the point is you're still going to put money in it. And at this point in time, I think it's still quite binary. Um, it, even though you could, even though they could maybe get an extension from creditors and in some way salvage some sort of value for shareholders, the 
this this the store this the problem is that even if they do have a moratorium on debt repayments for the next three years, which is what they are proposing, um, there's still some significant legal claims to come, and we don't know how successful those are going to be. A lot of uncertainty um, still surrounding the stock. I wouldn't even gamble on it. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, thank you, Chantel. That was Sh- uh, Chantel Marks of FMB Wealth and Investment. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for. This show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. And that's it for this edition of the MoneyWeb Admiral Show. My name is Raik van Ikerk, and thank you for tuning in. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saiga.co.za. 